This recording was made on Camaragal country, Sydney, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Right, this is serious, okay? You need to get straight into something serious. Someone came up to me and actually asked whether I think the moon landing is fake. And when I say they came up to me, I received a message through the internet. And I feel, I mean, it makes me have feelings, that statement. Because, like, do you think it was real? Not, sorry, I need to be really clear about this incredibly serious topic. Not only do I think the moon landing was fake, guys, I'm pretty sure the moon is fake, okay? And you, you're you an idiot if you think it's real, quite frankly. So you know who you are, and I hope that one person only represents themselves. <laughs> Uh, anyway, g'day internet, hello you, you know who you are, um, I'm back, I'm back again and I haven't actually done what I said I'd do, which is continue having conversations with other people, actually no, that's not true, because I have got one in the bank that's coming out in a few days, um, it was a really fun conversation, but in the meantime, here's me again, flying solo, talking to my future self. And I need to remind my... Okay, hey, future roles. (laughs) I need to remind my future self about a really amazing thing that happened yesterday. I was... I rode... Well, I rode my bike for five hours yesterday. And that in itself is amazing. So on my bike ride, I was about to drop into a piece of road in Sydney, which for me has always felt like... It's like you're driving in Need for Speed or Project Gotham or something because the way this road sweeps and the speed limit's 80Ks. Anyway, it's a fun bit, it's a fun bit of road is what I'm saying. And I'm pulling onto it on my pushy and I found a little bay to wait and look up the hill and check there's no traffic coming so I have the best possible chance of survival in what could become quite a critical... Um, anyway, <laughs> so I've, I'm waiting in this bay and I, I look behind me and I realize that there's coppers like spotting people on the way down. And in my brain immediately, I'm like, how? maybe I'm a horrible person for thinking this. But in my brain immediately, I'm like, I hope they get someone. I hope that someone comes. Rolls, what, the, what is the matter with you? That's hoping someone breaks the law. Whatever. I, I have to be honest to my future self here. That was what I felt at the time. Hopefully, 85-year-old Rolls, you've grown out of that um, habit of hoping for what, disaster? Not disaster, but entertainment, I guess. God, I'm sick. Anyway, I found myself thinking that, and sure enough, some dickhead, who I've just summoned energetically, apparently, just pins off down the hill, hasn't seen the coppers, and is racing so far above 80. Anyway, sure enough, the boys react pretty quickly, and their V8... Hemi, Chrysler, whatever the highway patrol cars are now, roars out in second gear. This guy must have had his foot to the floor because I felt that in my nether regions as this thing came rocketing out of this side street, literally within a couple of feet of me, it felt like. They might have been 10 meters away, but I was just so intoxicated by the situation at this point. Anyway, they rocketed off and I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. 
um, my nether regions calm down, the no- traffic clears, off I go on my pushy. I'm meeting a mate at the top of the hill on the other side of this bridge. And as I get to the top five minutes later, he's there just grinning like a cat. Who's next to them? But this car and the highway patrol. And I've caught the tail end of it. But I just can't believe it. It's just crazy how entertaining life can be sometimes. It's just looking around you, just paying attention. And then I guess like having sick thoughts like me that hoping that someone will endanger other people's lives on the road. Because that's really what speeding is, isn't it, Rolls? That's really what you thought then. Oh my God. Anyway, sure enough, my mate reported the conversation and it's exactly how you would imagine that conversation to go. Everyone's, hopefully you haven't been in it. You might've witnessed it. The cops took ages to get out of the car as they always seem to do. And then, and hey, this is from dash cam videos only that I know this information. Um, anyway, come strolling on up. And apparently the first question was, so mate, you're going 80 k's in an 80 k speed limit. And then you decide to increase your speed to 105 I clocked you at. And I'm just wondering why you did that. Just like the most facetious thing possible. But you've broken the law, dickhead. You're going to get treated like a child. You're going to get spoken to like Mr. Stevens used to speak to you in year two. Okay? Like that's that's the deal if you get caught, I guess. Don't go down that road, Rolls. Anyway, it was an immensely entertaining and completely random situation from yesterday that I really enjoyed because it ticked all the boxes, particularly the engine box. Something about... It's definitely machines. I have a weird thing for machines and like obviously the bicycle is the most perfect machine to ever be invented ever. But there's other great machines out there that burn old dinosaurs, I guess, in V8 Hemi engines. And hearing that Chrysler open up was just like, oh, it was so good. I can still hear it. And actually, that reminds me of something that I wanted to talk about that happened maybe three weeks ago now where maybe it was only two weeks ago. So I was in the car park of a supermarket and I was waiting for somebody inside the supermarket and into the car park in front of me pulls a 79 series dual cab ute with a what looked like a four inch stainless exhaust on it. Sounded unbelievable. And of course I'm looking at it going, yeah, love the towing mirrors, love the choice of bull bar, like just picking this thing to bits. And then out steps from this a beautiful but kind of like climatically deadly piece of machinery um, jumps this guy with like a backwards flat brim cap with his the tips of his ears tucked in. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about people who wear caps and like I'm someone who wears caps, um, but I think my noggin's too big for that to be a thing, for like even an opportunity for me to tuck the tips of my ears in. But it's something I've always start, like I've started to notice and it seems to be right down the middle, like... Half people do it and half people don't. And anyway, this guy did. I don't know what that means, but he also had, (laughs) he also had like the most obnoxious, flashy, fluorescent wraparound like hunting sunglasses that you get from BP and half a cigarette hanging out his mouth. And He sort of like walks around to the front of his car, leans on the bull bar, takes a nice long sort of drag on the cig and then walks right past me and literally like meters from me just and like not even paying attention to me at this stage, just basking in the glory of his turbo V8 and half a pack of Winfields 
And then he dropped that cigarette butt right in front of me and then just strolled on into the supermarket. And I was so like emotionally torn by the entire situation because I'm looking at this guy going, okay, mate, you're such a douchebag, but also look at your amazing piece of machinery. Wow, that truck is something. And also this other part of my emotional spectrum, just like in pieces thinking like cigarette butt like fuck is this someone now i have to have a conversation with do i have to talk to this person now (laughs) far out it sucks when you see that and then suddenly it's i don't know about you suddenly it's like i have that feeling or that thought and it's like almost because i've had that thought i feel like well now i'm obligated because if i don't confront this person or at least you know, do something about what I've just seen, then I'm telling the rest of the world that it's okay with me because look at me, do nothing about it, you know? And so then as soon as you have those thoughts, you almost feel like you have to, I don't know, do something. So anyway, what I ended up doing was picking that cigarette butt up and putting it underneath one of the windscreen wipers of this man's immaculate vehicle. And I was sort of hoping that, okay, here's something pretty passive, pretty obviously like non-destructive, just a message to say, hey man, like you're, you're not invisible and your actions are not invisible either. You're real. <laughs> you're real, bruh. Hey dude, you're real and other people can see you and get affected by what you're doing. You know, there's the passive, that sounded pretty aggressive for a passive aggressive message, but that's kind of, that was the good intention that I had in doing what I did. And then hours later in the day, I'm just realizing that this story came from a story from yesterday about seeing a cop of whatever. Why are you even listening? Because if you're not future me, I don't know why this is of interest. But anyway, I'll tell you my thought pattern several hours later. Actually, here's why it's of interest, because because it's, you know what, because (laughs) this lesson that I've learned applies to literally every single person at every single waking minute, because the lesson is you have no idea how you might affect somebody or like the, the, the infinite influence you can have on someone you didn't even notice. And I'm not talking about him upsetting me with the cigarette, but I'm thinking about me potentially like aggravating the world's most violent bloke you know, who's like already having a bad day maybe. And who knows if he's got colleagues or a family or someone who's now going to suffer because I ticked him off even more. You know what I mean? It's such a head fuck. It's such a head fuck. (laughs) And I'd forgotten all about it until I started talking to you, future roles slash internet at large, about the V8 copper and the facetious conversation I heard yesterday. So I think we need to get to the crux of today's podcast episode. Actually, not the crux, but look, a pretty big deal for me. It's not often that I find a Netflix show that just like consumes me. Actually, no, that's not quite true. What I, sorry, what I think I should have said is it's not often I find a Netflix show that utterly consumes me that's not reality television or a docu-soap 
as I prefer to call them, because it's highbrow, guys. This is anthropomorphic research you do when you watch reality television. People give reality TV a bad rap, I reckon. It's like, oh, what do you want to look at a window into other people's private lives, and oh, it's all messed up socially and whatever. And like, yeah, I'm not pretending it's it's as helpful as a documentary, but it kind of is, actually. Actually, maybe documentaries are useless and all we should ever watch to educate ourselves is reality television. Sorry, docu-soaps. Because that's where I'm learning bulk lessons about humans, guys. That's what you get when you watch reality TV. Bulk human education. Because regardless of the authenticity of what you're watching, you're watching either someone bear all and you get to like actually understand how, how another human being ticks, which is kind of priceless or you get to watch someone pretend to be someone they're not and that is like that is just the most enthralling captivating thing it's i think it's like a car crash you know i don't know if you've ever seen a car crash but you can't look away like it's it's like this ugh, like you <laughs> it's so hard i find it so hard so basically i've been watching a lot of reality tv the latest one is bling empire and Bling Empire is about, if you haven't seen it, which you might have had your head stuck in the sand if you haven't. That's not true, Rolls. <laughs> Bling Empire is about the richest Asians in Hollywood, or in LA, rather. And literally, like, billionaire people... Billionaire Chinese, Singaporean, all sorts of different Asian cultures, but not interacting with any non-Asian influences, aside from like whatever the ethnicities are of the film crew that's following them around. They're literally in their own world, and it's not just cultural, but it is it's financial because these people are unfathomably rich. One of them's from a family that has, sells weaponry. To like Russia, Iran, bloody everybody. And so she's just got billions. One of them is the 25th descendant of the Song dynasty or whatever the last dynasty in China was, such that if their civilization was still structured like that, that dude would be an emperor. Like that's the level of wealth that they're dealing with. And so that guy's wife at this point in time is basically his possession. And, and some of the shit that they talk about and do is just, it's like, I can't, I just can't look away. It's so appalling. It is so appalling. Like, so this bloke's wife is not wanting to have a second child and he's badgering her about having a second child. So it doesn't bring shame on his family or whatever reason. And she's like, so they're talking about surrogacy, right? And thinking, well, I'm getting old anyway. Should we like have someone carry our child and the woman is saying well i don't really want to because it's such a risk you know we can vet this person all we want but you can never be sure of people and you can't control them to which her husband literally scoffs and says you can control anyone with money literally like whether that's the real person or the person he's pretending to be, it's so revolting and, and shocking that I'm just like glued to it, guys. I'm like only three episodes in. I can only do one episode a night. And that says it all because usually I can just churn through these things. Below Deck, I watched a season of Below Deck in maybe two days because it was just like, Below Deck's amazing. 
but this one is just like it's so advanced, you know. It's too, it's it's right at the limits of my capabilities of reality television consumption. I can only do one thirty-minute episode a night before I'm left to lie in bed, staring at the ceiling, wondering about the things I've just learned about my fellow human beings who have so much money to fix so many problems, sitting in the bank, or hanging around their neck, or being driven around the streets of fucking Sunset Boulevard or whatever. Like, it's just I, it's just crazy what money seems to do to people's common sense, as in completely eradicate it. Who, in their right mind, would agree to a reality television show, film crew coming into the hospital to film you give birth and then show the rest of the world? That was the single most disturbing thing I've ever seen on a screen, ever. Ever. And I've been pretty sheltered. I know there's some really messed up stuff out there on that internet. But that single scene was so disturbing on so many levels. Sorry, I need to rephrase that. That scene was so deeply educational on so many levels. Okay, so to start with, there's like a full nursing midwifery crew, doctors, everyone's scrubbed up and ready. Suddenly they have to, in this very real medical situation, some they need to accommodate a full film crew. This chick is lying there and literally pretending to push. Pretend, and you can see her nervously looking back and forth from the midwife to the camera. And, re- and think you can just see her thinking, oh my God, I'm being filmed right now. Everyone's going to see this. What do I look like? What must people think of me? You can see this girl just like freaking out and pretending when she's giving birth to her second child and the doctors are having none of it. They're like, what are you doing? Push. What are you doing? Stop looking at the camera. Like, look at me. Push. You need to push. The time is now. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like... Oh, and I saw everything, guys. It wasn't pornographic, but Jesus, that was a slimy baby. And do you know what the first phone conversation that it cuts to is? Who's getting the placenta? Tell her I want to buy it if no one wants it. It makes the best facial. (laughs) Like, Like, what the... And, you know, before this scene, okay, before this scene, it's cut to this chick while she's nine months pregnant, talking to her boyfriend. (laughs) Jesus. Because her boyfriend is this bloke. They're almost in their 40s. Like, he should be her husband by now, kind of. Like, kind of. And I'm not even Chinese. I don't even really care about that as, like, a really important definition of somebody's character. I'm actually happy to judge them on, you know, who they are rather than their married marital status but whatever this guy is so resistant to marrying her to the point where she's like hey dude you give me a promise ring right like when do i get my real ring when do we when do we get married and it's the same as the last couple she's literally like his possession at this point in time and he's just like immediately goes all shifty and weird and it's like seeing a 17 year old kid who's been secretly kissing some girl and his girlfriend found out and is now asking about him and you get to stand there and watch. And this guy's like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, we don't, we've talked about this. Oh, we don't need to talk about this some more. <laughs> it's like, dude, what do you think? Do you think you're just going to be able to duck out of this relationship? You're having two children with this woman. 
Oh my God. And you know, the first thing that she says as well, when it cuts to like the interview scene or whatever, she's literally, she's like, honestly, I just feel like I'm so thankful. And I think Giovanni's really adorable. They named their kid Giovanni. And, and I want to cherish every moment and I can't wait to put him in like my Hermes bags and take photos of him. That's the first thing she said. She's all like, yeah, she's a bit made up, but she gave birth hours before that, that, that was shot. And that's the thoughts that she's having. It's like, I'm what? And then she's talking to me in Sydney, Australia. And I'm like, lady, I just watched you push a human out of yourself seconds ago for me. Okay, I need to move on from Bling Empire. Actually, no, there's one more thing that I need to put out there because I'm interested in some feedback. So, feedback from what? From who, Rolls? From yourself in the future in 85 years? Okay, Rolls, take it. Take your headphones out or do whatever you need to do to the chip in your head so that it plays on the speaker and everyone can hear this. Okay, here's the most messed up thing that I still I haven't worked out and I think by the time I'm 85 years old, I might not have worked out what the go is with the following, okay? So one of the opening scenes of this movie, this movie, this show, this docu-soap, this more valuable than documentary piece of media, <laughs> that one of the things the girl says, she's like, I, I throw the best parties. My parties aren't like anyone's parties. So I didn't want, okay, I'm not going to do the voice, but she's like, I didn't want to give people normal like gift bags with what some belvedere in it she's like i bought every guest at my party a sponsored child and have forward paid the entire sponsored child's arrangement and and redirecting all of the correspondence to you so (laughs) like what how like that that just confounded me and has still confounded me future 85 year old roles are you out there do you, have you worked this out? Discuss amongst, hopefully, you've found some friends by then. <laughs> okay, so how nice is that on the first level where it's like, what an amazing gift. You could, you could, that's so spot on. I love that as far as a, a meaningful contribution to the planet, to everybody's karma, but also in the name of status. Uh, I just like it just taints it completely because it's in the name of fucking status I just have it I cannot figure out for the life of me what to think about that and like the guests imagine going to a party and then suddenly for the rest of your life after that party you're receiving like handwritten thank you notes and photos and like school reports and stuff from Kenya and you're just like, dude, I, I was like a, I was the second on a plus two to that party, like the second person. And I only went because the real plus two couldn't go. So I was like only going if there was plus three. I didn't even know the chick that bought me you, Ugh, bought me you, <laughs> you child in Kenya. You're my possession now, apparently, because that's how we've designed the world. Cool. Fuck. Anyway, if you find yourself, you know, <laughs> in need of some education, <laughs> Bling Empire, it's unbelievable. You know what I noticed in the supermarket today, or the consumption church, as my good friend Pete likes to call it, 
in the consumption church, I was picking up a box of muesli and then thought, wow, this isn't a box. This is a bag in a box. And then started thinking about cardboard. And is cardboard maybe the most refined, subtle, subliminal form of greenwashing ever? Where you can go, where my language, my language has been changed by this. Where I want breakfast, so I go get a box of muesli. And it's not a box, Rolls, is it? It's a bag, dude. And it's for some reason got a box around it as well. And that's some re... Oh, cool. (laughs) And that's some reason is so that you never think about it again. You just decide you like the food inside and then never think about how it arrives to you again. Because it's the tactile... Like the tactile... The feel of cardboard compared to a plastic pouch or like a bag... It's like, I just, is it just, maybe this is like, even if not having the cardboard wouldn't change what people bought or how much of it, surely it would just at least connect them. No, but we're just so unconscious to soft plastic, aren't we? We don't give a shit. <laughs> it's everywhere, man. It's in everything. It's one of those things that you start paying attention to and then suddenly it's like a Toyota Corolla. Or a Subaru Forester. Suddenly they're just bloody everywhere. And you're like, dude, how many of these things are out there? And you look around and you realize you're only in one consumption church. And there's two more in the suburb I'm in. In the city I'm in. In the state I'm in. In the country I'm in. And there's consumption cathedrals out there. And then there's consumption confessionals. Tiny little consumption chapels, if you will. (laughs) I'm talking the convenience stores all over the world that are full of plastic wrapped in cardboard. Like, ah, it's, uh, yeah, it's like, it's just everywhere, isn't it? Greenwashing is just everywhere. And it's kind of, it's unavoidable. If you plan on turning a profit and you appeal to anyone's sense of environmental sustainability, it's kind of like, corrupted by greenwashing is it what if it's what if it's a product like seabin seabin being incredibly cool pieces of technology that can suck in not just plastic and debris in water like in waterways and stuff in harbors and in docks they can separate oil as well isn't that amazing and those things i'm pretty sure they're a startup and i think they've been privately funded but that's fucking awesome. Like, I badly want them to be rich from that idea. Badly. So, yeah, so maybe not. Maybe what I just said is absolute rubbish. <laughs> that wouldn't be a huge surprise. <laughs> now, okay, so that you can turn an honest coin with environmental products, but, okay, no, not with cardboard. Not with cardboard. Is it maybe that, like, whatever you wrap in cardboard probably doesn't need it? Oh no, what are you saying, Rolls? Cardboard is incredibly useful. I'm just the I just suddenly transported myself from one consumption church to another from Woolies into Bunnings. And then suddenly I was like, oh, there's so much useful cardboard in here, wrapping things up, making things transportable, putting lots of small things in one useful Okay, Rolls. Is this really what the podcast is sung to? I need to espouse to myself the virtues of cardboard. Cool, we need to move on. Because an important story came out in the news this week 
about noise pollution. And I know what you're probably thinking, future roles or anyone else that happens to dial this in. You're probably thinking, okay, here's where I sign off because I don't need to know about another bad thing in the world. I know there's lots of bad stuff. I don't need another one from this clown. And I, that's fair enough, okay? It's fair enough. I get it. But this one, it's, it's coming with, okay, there's a visual that I'm going to put up as a link in the description of this episode to a post on Instagram that I really, really, really want you to click through to, like preferably right now, so that this story will actually resonate in a visual way. Because the impact of noise pollution on the echolocation of whales and other clever, clever, clever animals in the sea (laughs) is massive. It's massive. And this visual is about, basically, it's a patch of earth. You're looking on it from an aerial cartographic perspective, as in it is a body of water surrounded by coasts, and there's a blue dot on the water. And the blue dot is one whale. And then suddenly there's all these red and yellow lines and each red dot and the line of yellow that it leaves behind it is a ship bouncing from port to port all over this piece of land. And the blue dot literally looks like a child trying to run across a busy freeway. That's the feeling that I had. I was looking at this with Leah yesterday and... That's literally what it looks like because this whale has no idea what to do, how to cross these paths, how to cross the paths of all of these ships. And it just bounces around like a pinball, moving tentatively, tentatively towards one of these lines and then suddenly bouncing away from it, straight into another one, bouncing somewhere else. It's So click through and just have a look at it if you haven't already because it is just like astonishing. And I'll also put a link in there to the story because there's been a 32-fold increase in noise pollution along shipping lanes in the last 50 years. 3,200% increase in 50 years. And it got me thinking, what if there's actual energetic pollution and the negative thoughts that we have literally do something vibrationally to bring down the people around us or the environment around us that includes the people. Like, wouldn't that, it just feels like kind of a little baby step, this new research or this new study, a little baby step towards refining exactly what the influence of every vibrational disruption because of humans is. Because imagine if there literally was like energetic pollution from negative thoughts like like what rolls like hoping that someone speeds so that you get to see a v8 speed off oh my god i need to shut i need to shut up shut up dude that's that's so enough that's so enough unbelievable i've please do click through to that story though because that's a real thing and you know what it does apply to you i can hear you by the way, I can hear you go, oh, shut up, dude. I, I, I'm not on the ships. I'm not a dock worker. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a ship's pilot. Did you know they're called pilots? They are. I'm not a ship's pilot. Like, this has nothing to do with me. I'm just going to unwrap my new Xbox and keep playing my life. No disrespect if you like Xbox. Probably wasn't made in Australia. Probably didn't come here on an airplane. 
You know, it does, all of this stuff does trickle down. Everything affects everyone. Wow. Wow. What a stupid esoteric comment to finish on. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much, Shah, for tuning in, Rolls. You 85 year, no, what will you be by then? 104 year old, freckly mother. Thanks for listening. And um, pop your teeth back in, mate. Time to go back outside and, I don't know, try and put out some fires. <laughs> to see you guys.